Parking spaces comes to a bitter and expensive conclusion and how to be a better Airbnb host if you really must. This is the Flat Chat Wrap. Hello, I'm Jimmy Thompson and today I'm again with Sue Williams, journalist and author, and we're talking about what's happening in the world of Strata. Hello, Sue. Hi, Jimmy. Usually, Sue talks to me about the things that are in Flat Chat, but I want to talk to her about a story that she has been writing, which is going to be in the Sun Herald this weekend. It's about car parking. What's the big deal? <laughs> well, it's a really interesting story. There's a building in Elizabeth Bay in Sydney um, where a number of the car spaces are owned by non-residents, people who don't actually live or own apartments in the building. The building was built in 1970, and there were lots of other buildings around it that didn't have car spaces. So they were allowed to go in and buy car spaces for their use. Ever since then, the owners in the building have been trying to get rid of these people, the the non-resident car space owners. Why? Well, because they have a car space, they can use all the common property areas and they they don't want them to use their swimming pool and things like that. But in fact, these people don't use the swimming pool really. I think two of them have used the swimming pool once each. Right. How long has this been going on? I think it's been going on for 40 years. 40 years. Yep, they've owned places in the building for 40 years, yes. Wow. Ever since it was first built. How did they keep them out? Did they have somebody stopping them at the front door? Well, no, um, they've tried at various points over the years to try and get them to leave, but without any success. So this time, in 2014, they passed a bylaw saying that people who didn't own properties in the apartment building weren't allowed to have car spaces, so therefore they couldn't park their cars there. Right. Now, these people have bought the car spaces at enormous expense. Well, I what mean, kind of expense are we talking about? Well, one of them was sold for $220,000. $220,000 for a car space? <laughs> yes. I wouldn't pay that for a car. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I'd pay that for an apartment. But <laughs> No, so um, they, they passed the bylaw, and then they changed all the swipe keys so they couldn't get entry. So in the end, the car space owners took the building to court, took them to the Supreme Court to say that the bylaw was illegal and that they had a right to keep their cars there. And they won the court case, and then the building appealed against the court case, and the result has just come out. And the result is? The building lost. The people can still use their car spaces. Wow. So, I mean, it's kind of such a weird case, really. I mean... If they'd have lost the case, they would have owned all these car spaces in the building but wouldn't have been allowed to park their cars there, which is kind of weird. And then you think, well, what would they have done with the car spaces? Well, they could have sold them, but obviously the only people they could have sold them to would be the people who owned apartments in the buildings. Yeah. Who would maybe say to them, I'll buy it for $10 from yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> $10 they wouldn't otherwise have. you yeah, buy it for 220 right. sell it for 10 That's not a bargain. So... This would be 10 years. Well, the court case hasn't lasted for 10 years, the argument has. But mm. even so, Supreme Court, that's a lot of money that's been spent. Yeah, they reckon it's at least um, $440,000. Wow, that's, that's two car spaces. <laughs> well, actually, funny you mention that, but they do have a spare car space that they're now thinking of selling oh, right. to actually raise money to pay for the court costs. Well, Good on them. Because now they can sell it on the open market, really. Yeah, yeah, anybody. So if you're, if you're in the Elizabeth Bay area and you're looking for, for a car space, <laughs> we know of one that's coming up for sale very, very soon.
Okay, so you've been looking at the FlatChat website and and the forum. What's caught your attention? Well, I love stories about pets, I must admit. And I love the story that you ran about the most common names for dogs and cats. Yeah. And it's funny because I've got a cat which has one of the common names, Max. Right. Well, you don't, um, actually. Your cat's called Mac. Oh, well, that's true, but it's kind of similar. (laughs) (laughs) And some of the names were quite extraordinary. I mean, we've got all the kind of... I mean, tell us which are the most common popular names. Okay, this is a weird thing. The most common name for male cats and male dogs is the same. Really? Charlie. Oh, that's cute. And the most common names for female dogs and female cats, the top two are the same. And I think they're Luna and Belle, I think. Bella. Bella. Yeah. yeah. So I remember... Oh, for years, whenever there was a popular TV personality, suddenly there'd be a rash of kids who were named after that person. I mean, right now we're seeing some quite immature people wandering around with the name Elvis that they were given. (laughs) (laughs) So I think maybe that's what happens to to pets. I don't know where Charlie comes from. It must be Charlie Pickering off the TV. Oh, that would be nice. Wouldn't it? Rye amusing cats. Yeah. Well, it was funny, though, because you mentioned also a couple of other names which aren't in the top ten, but which are kind of quite common. Mal... Oh, I don't know how you say this word. Maleficent. Maleficent. Yes, which is... Isn't that from Harry Potter or something? Oh. Not that that I've ever read Harry Potter or seen the films, but I've got a feeling you can't avoid it. I think it's, it's got something to do with... Wow, that's kind of a hard name to be calling out of the park, isn't it, really? Well, you'd be going out, you'd just shorten it, you'd be shouting, Mal, Mal, and then, you know, in the eastern suburbs, anybody could turn up. Oh, that's funny. And the other one was Tinkerbell, which is kind of quite a nice name, but I don't know, I don't think I'd be out calling Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell. Yeah, my sister used to have a, a, a little white kitten called Snow, and she remembered standing on her doorstep in Scotland, calling the cat in when it was snowing. So she's standing on the doorstep (laughs) in the snow, shouting, snow, snow. And her neighbours are going, yeah, yeah, we know what it is. (laughs) Another thing that's interesting on on your Flat Chat website at the moment is... um, a story about how to be a better Airbnb host, which I kind of thought was interesting because Airbnb is such a controversial topic. Mm. I mean, you've criticised them over the years for some of the things they've done, but it's kind of interesting to see you doing a story about, you know, how you can... Well, yeah, I took the point of view that, uh, and I did this for the financial review because the flat chat appears every week in the Fin Review. Um, but yes, I don't mind Airbnb for its original concept, which is rent a room in your house to strangers and show them how you live. But of course, as we know, it's now become this huge commercial enterprise. And you've got people renting whole apartments, people people renting a number of apartments and then re-renting them on Airbnb. And, you know, it's just, that's not what it's supposed to be about. But it's a fact of life. It exists. If you live in Melbourne, you could be in a building where maybe one third of the apartment are on Airbnb. So we've got to accept this exists. It's not going away anytime soon. So how can people who are who are into that are, and doing it quite legitimately, how can they be better hosts? And how can they be? The thing to do is to pay attention to what your neighbours want. 
And if you're in a building, for instance, that has a bylaw saying we don't allow Airbnb in this building, then the thing not to do is to say, well, stuff you, I want to make some extra money and I don't care about your rules. If you really, really want to have Airbnb, go to a building where it's allowed. Of course. And I guess there's other things like, um, I mean, I, I live in an apartment building and it annoys me when people stand in the corridor outside in the lobby outside and talk and talk and talk. Yeah. And that noise really comes through into my apartment. And, and maybe people who don't live in apartments. Yeah, well, normally that. they might live in houses somewhere. Mm. Yeah, we call that the long goodbye when everybody's <laughs> finished the, the, the dinner party and they get to the lift and they press the lift button about 20 times. So all you hear is ping, yak, 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 ping, yak, yak, yak. <laughs> but, you know, there's other things you can do, like giving your immediate neighbours your phone number so that if there is a problem, they can call you and you can come round and deal with it. That's a good idea. Again... You know, just saying, well, we're going to dump complete strangers on your apartment block and we're going to take no responsibility for how they behave. And if they misbehave, we don't want to know about it. Well, that's just wrong. So there's lots of things like that in the article about how you can be a better host. And maybe, maybe your neighbours won't hate you quite so much. thing I was really interested in was the idea about renting out a spare room. Well, not renting out a spare room, but handing over a spare room to somebody who might be happy to live there in return for doing your housework. Yes. That really appealed to me. Yes. Um, I think the website, and again, it's on it's on our website on the flatchat.com.au, it's called Exchanging. And it's about people who have time poor, but they've got an extra room. So you might be somebody, you know, working couple with kids who need somebody to pick the kids up you know from school or somebody who's just going to throw together a meal for them in the evening or do a couple of hours housework you know a bit of basic cleaning and the and the trade-off is you give that person a room now you would imagine that there are lots of students for instance who have left home where they want to leave home they want their own place who would be very happy to trade a room for a bit of work i have to say that when i put this online the first reaction was from a friend who said i wouldn't trust them to do the work (laughs) yeah we're battling the friday night sirens in sydney here so uh, if you hear any extraneous noises it's uh, a sign that somebody's in trouble but somebody's on the way to help that's a nice way of thinking about it yeah and it's interesting because my niece when she left home for the first time she lived with a person with a disability and in return for i think a very minimal rent she did chores and cooked for him right so it's kind of quite a good deal really yeah Yeah. and i think for especially for older people who you know they've been left alone but for whatever reason um, having a young person around the house is handy it helps them out but it's you know there's a little bit of company It's just having another human being around. You're not totally isolated. It'd be nice to think it could work out. Absolutely. And I was looking on the forum and somebody was asking, is it actually necessary to have meetings? Because they live in a building where the um, Strata Committee members just kind of email each other and decide things and don't actually let anybody know what's happening, which seems a bit absurd. Yeah, you know, look, this is the old way of doing things, notes under doors and, uh, you know, once a month uh, somebody would come round and collect the levies and uh, 
And over the years, I mean, we've got some apartment blocks going back more than 50 years here. And, and over the years, of course, we've evolved into a much more sophisticated way of doing things. But some of the people who live in apartments haven't. And it's nice to think that you can go, well, rather than having a meeting and everybody gets has to turn up and get all formal about it, you can just pick up the phone and say, we need to paint the front fence. What do you reckon? Can we raise the money? Yep, let's do it, which is great. But if you are not on that, that phone telephone chain um, you don't get the information you don't know what's happening and the next thing you know somebody's painting the front fence and you think well who's paying for that am I paying for that and I didn't choose that color so it's it's a difficult thing I, I it's not impossible just a little bit of communication especially in this day and age when we're all on emails and Facebook or whatever just set up some sort of system so that you can let everybody know we're talking about this if you've got any input let us know and we've decided this and if you have a problem with that let us know but people Mm. do tend to feel excluded when they're not part of the little core group I mean that core group could turn around and say well there's only nine apartments and there's five of us so whatever we say goes anyway but that's not going to make people feel any more part of the community transparency is key I suppose is the message there absolutely but you know it's it happens it even happens in our building you know that the uh, you get little clusters of chums who look after each other and everybody else starts to drift off really and think well you know they don't care what we think and uh, we don't care what they think something else on the forum about um, garage doors. Somebody wanted to introduce a motor onto their garage door, so it was an automatic kind of opening thing. And and they were saying, well, who's actually paying for it? Who's going to pay for for it to put it on and for its maintenance? Well, the simple answer is if there wasn't an opening mechanism there before or, or a motor, then the person who wants it pays for it. And not only do they pay for it, they pay for its maintenance. And the owner's corporation need to get that person to sign an agreement, I mean, strictly speaking, a bylaw that says that they will look after it in the future or the owner's corporation will find that when it breaks down 10 years from now and it's a totally different person living in that apartment and using that garage, they're going to turn around and say, oh, the motor on my garage door is broken, you've got to fix it. Which isn't very fair on somebody else who doesn't have a a motor on their garage door having to pay for their neighbours. Exactly. But, you know, this is a good example of one of these things that are being done on a nod and a wink. You know, people saying, oh, I need this, I need this on my window, I need this on my door. And the chairman goes, ah, yeah, that's all right. Don't worry about it, mate. That'll be fine. You know, we don't want all this red tape and rules and regulations. And then five years down the track, somebody's going, well, this is broken down. Who pays for it? Thank you very much, Sue. That's uh, been very interesting and entertaining. Always a pleasure, Jimmy. So uh, if you want to catch up with the latest that's happening in Strata, we're on flat-chat.com.au. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. (music) 